chapter 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then Jesus said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat> when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Matthew's Gospel is all about people being amazed by Jesus. When Jesus calms the storm, the disciples are in awe. They are amazed. When in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus heals a man from his demon, the crowds marvel. They are amazed at what Jesus does. In chapter 21, when Jesus curses a fig tree and it withers, the disciples are astonished. They are amazed. Prior to our gospel text today, every time people are amazed or in awe of Jesus in Matthew, it's because of his supernatural abilities. He has control over the elements, over demons, and even over fig trees. People are amazed by Jesus, because when you witness a miracle, what else are you supposed to do? How can you not be amazed? If the disciples witnessed Jesus calming a storm and were bored, we would wonder if they had eyes to see. If the crowd heard the voice of the demon-possessed man for the first time and thought, big deal, I liked him better before, we would wonder what was wrong with them. For the disciples to experience Jesus cursing a fig tree and then to just ignore the results, we might wonder why they were following Jesus in the first place. Because the truth is, there is a lot of amazement, a lot of awe happening in Matthew's Gospel. And it's all happening in response to these miracles that Jesus performs, except today. This anecdote from the near end of Jesus' ministry doesn't feel very miraculous. Jesus is teaching again in the temple, and the Pharisees again have convinced themselves they know just how they'll trap him. And they know, too, that they've been trying to trick him this whole time, and that Jesus probably is going to expect some sort of malice in their questions. And so instead of going to him themselves, they gather up some of their followers and some people of the Herodian sect, and maybe they hope this mixture of Jewish orders would throw Jesus off. Maybe Jesus wouldn't recognize the question to be a trick if he didn't know who this group of followers belonged to. And so they come to Jesus, and they are ready to butter him up. Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the ways of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. I mean, if Jesus wasn't already a little suspicious of any of the leaders coming to him with questions, how would this not be obvious? 
And so they ask him whether or not it's lawful to pay taxes to the emperor. And to be fair, this wasn't an uncommon topic of, an uncommon topic of debate in Jesus' time. When we pay taxes today, it's our civil duty, it's part of our responsibility as people who live here and helping to provide for our society. Our taxes pay for infrastructure, programs for those in need, our educational systems, there are subsidies for hospitals, military, and hopefully a government that provides those structures. In ancient Israel, for these taxes paid to Rome, this was not always the case. The coin that the Pharisees' disciples bring to Jesus is a Roman coin, the denarius, and it has the face of the emperor on it. And this isn't like our nickels or our pennies. The emperor's face on a coin was a kind of ideological propaganda. The emperor was treated like a god, and the Caesar of Jesus' day was known as the son of God. According to some scholars, taxation from Rome was effectively a tribute, an offering that Rome demanded of its subjects. And Roman citizens and lands were often not taxed. It was only for those who lived in regions that were occupied by Rome. And so this topic of whether or not the practicing Jewish people should offer deference to Rome was a common one. And I wonder if this question had been asked by those who didn't have any malice, if Jesus would have responded differently. But Jesus is aware of their intentions, and he calls them out on it. He calls them hypocrites, which literally in the Greek translates to two-faced. So Jesus asks these two-faced disciples which face is on the two-sided coin, and they receive their answer. Jesus says to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. They were amazed. Where is the miracle here? What is it that Jesus is doing that brings them such awe, what brings them such amazement? Maybe the miracle is that Jesus sees who they are. Jesus recognizes the malice in these would-be followers, and he names it. He names their hypocrisy, he names them and their motivations, something they believe that he couldn't have done, and something that Jesus is doing in our lives too. Jesus sees us, recognizes us, and sometimes that means Jesus sees the good in us when we can't see it, and sometimes it's through Jesus that we are able to recognize when we are entrapping ourselves. Sometimes we are convinced that we have all the answers, that we know the right way to live in our lives and to live out our faith, and sometimes it takes the miracle of Jesus for us to recognize our own malice. Or maybe the miracle in this story is the answer that Jesus gives. Jesus manages to give the politically correct answer of giving to the emperor what belongs to the emperor while still subverting the authority and divinity of the emperor. When Jesus says, give to God what is God's, well, what doesn't belong to God? What isn't God's in our world? As the creator of everything, including the emperor and the coins, Jesus' answer leaves open a larger question to these questioners. Is there anything that belongs to the emperor that does not belong to God? Sometimes we let ourselves get caught up in separating pieces of our lives. We struggle sometimes to find ways to articulate our faith in a political world. We sometimes struggle to share God's love with those we meet for fear of breaking those unspoken separations. 
but it's Jesus reminding us that yes, we are called to give to the emperor what is the emperor's, and we are called to give to God what is God's, and those things may not be mutually exclusive. Maybe it's a reminder that this faith, this life, is more than just something that occurs in our church buildings or in our homes, but rather our faith should draw us to participating in the civil part of our world as well. And maybe, maybe the miracle is the reminder of who God is in our story. When Jesus tells the questioners to give to God what belongs to God, his politically correct yet subversive answer is a reminder of who God is for those who are asking this question, and for who God is for us. As Isaiah says in our first reading, speaking for God, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. It's this God who forms everything, dark and light, east to west. And maybe this is the miracle that leaves the questioners in amazement. The reminder that this is the God who not only created the universe, but who created them as well. Miracles aren't always calming storms or cursing fig trees. Sometimes the miracles that Jesus performs in our lives are small enough that we might even miss them. Miracles of Jesus knowing us, of seeing us, in all of our good and all of our bad. Jesus still sees us and still works to bring us incredible mercy. Miracles of the freedom Jesus gives us to truly live out our faith and our callings in this world. Jesus knows that it's not an easy task. And Jesus walks with us as we give our offerings both to God and to our civil society. Miracles of God's power and love, because as we experience being known by Jesus, as we dive into the ways God is calling us in this world, we are reminded that the God who created everything, who created the universe, who created light and dark, this is the God who loves us so much that God sent God's Son for us. This is the miracle of God's power and love, the miracle of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and our malice. Jesus goes to the cross to free us from our own selfishness and fear. Jesus goes to the cross to bring us the incredible and amazing love that God gives to each and every one of us through Jesus' resurrection, so that we might hear these words, we might witness these miracles, however small, and be amazed. Thanks be to God. Amen.